Welcome to this week's Rashi Shir, brought to you from the Bet Midrash of Mizrahi in Melbourne, Australia. So we resume the Rashi Shir after something of a break, and we left it, I think uh, a month ago, in Perichet Posit Kaf Bet, the last comment of Rashi, that's where we were up to. And that Pasuk said, Old Konyume Haaretz, Zera, Vakatsir, Kor, Vacham, Vakayetz, Vacharev, Vyom, Vilaila, Lo Yishbotu. All the seasons and day and night will not Yishbotu. And Rashi says on Lo Yishbotu, Lo Yafsiku. They will not stop. Kol Eila, all these things, the seasons and the day and night, Mila Hitnaheg, Kasidran. From going in their normal order. Why does Rashi have to say lo yishbotu means lo yifsuku? What, can, what does shvita mean? Okay, so it's got two meanings in Chumash. One is, um, as in Erev Pesach, Rishon tashbitu soor mibotechem. On the first day you shall blank, uh, leaven stuff from your houses. What does it mean there? Remove, more than remove. Eliminate, it means cause to not exist. Okay, what else can it mean? Shabbat. Exactly, Shabbat v'yinafash. What does Shabbat v'yinafash mean? To stop. What? To stop. To stop. Or, but no, not quite actually. Shabbat, uh, when Hashem on, on the seventh day, Shabbat v'yinafash, he rested, as we normally translate it. So what does it mean, the seasons, lo yishbotu? Does it mean they won't be eliminated or they won't have a rest? It means they won't be eliminated. Because it doesn't make sense to say seasons won't have a rest. Because seasons aren't things that have a rest. People, people or HaKadosh Baruch you can say has a rest. Uh, but you can't say something that is being, uh, or the seasons, you can't say they have a rest. What you could say is they will or will not stop completely. So Rashi tells us it means lo yafsiku, means they will not stop. As opposed to they will not have a rest. Okay, that concludes Perak Chet, and now we start Perak Tet. And we start with the words, Vayavarech Elohim et Noach. Hashem, Elohim, blessed Noach. And what we have in the next few Pesukim is what that blessing looks like. So, Vayavarech Elohim et Noach, Ve'et Banav, Vayomer Lahem, Peru Uruvu. Hashem blessed Noach and his children, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, umilu et ha'aretz, and fill the world. Yeah. Any questions on that, Pasuk? Does Rashi have any questions on that? No, Rashi doesn't have any questions on that. So unless you do, we'll move on. Just quickly, I mean, sometimes, I'm in history for a while, but uh, Rashi's, uh, Noah's wife was mentioned often. Like, Not that anything, often. Like that. I mean, uh, okay, yeah. The, and when Vanav, you translate those. Yeah, I did translate it as children because I'm so used to doing that. But it does say banav, it means sons. Well, I think it means sons because you're right, you're right. Every other place about going in and out of the Teva, it's Noach and his wife and his sons and their wives. So it sounds like this is just talking to the males. Um, In a little while, we'll come back to discuss why that might be so. I've just got to, I haven't actually thought about that, but now there's something that we will say about it later. So, Pasuk Bet. And mora, what's mora? The fear of you, the hitchem, what's 
uh, what does that mean? Rashi says it's Eimat Chem, which means... Terror. Okay, good. I thought you were going to say it's also fear. It's, it's, it's pretty similar. Okay, maybe terror. We'll come back to Rashi. It will be on all the Chayat Haaretz, on all the living creatures of the earth. The Al-Kol Of Hashemayim, and all the birds of the heaven. The Chol Asher Tirmos Ha'adama, wherever you walk on the ground. Ubechol Dagei Hayam, and all the fish of the sea. V'yadchem Nitanu, into your hands they are given. So Rashi has something to say about Hitchem. So first of all, he tells you what it means, because it's not a word that we're familiar with. And uh, much as I like to find complexity in Rashi, I also like to find simplicity, that it's, uh, sometimes Rashi's just telling you what the word means. And it means Eimatchem, which Sarah suggests means terror, rather than fear. Kamo, and he brings a pasuk from Eov to back this up, Tiru Chatat, you will see Terra. That's his first explanation. And then he says, And there is another explanation, which is more Midrashic. It's an expression of life. What does it mean? Why is it an expression of life? So let's just look at the passage before we go on. The fear and the dread, probably is probably the best translation, will be on all the living creatures. So the Agada, as he calls it, Interesting, he doesn't call it a Midrash. I'm not quite sure the significance of that. There probably is some rule about why Rashi says Agadah. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Anyway, it's an expression of chiyot, of life. Shekol zaman, shetinok ben yomo, chai, all the time that even a baby who's one day old is alive, ein atat tzarech lishmoro lemin ha'achbarim. You don't need to keep it from mice. What does that mean? You've got a baby, and you've got mice. And if the baby is alive, the mice won't come near it because they are scared of something that is alive. Conversely, Og Mela Habashan. You can have somebody as big as Og, and he was pretty big. Mate, if he's dead, you need to guard him from mice. What's the point? The point is that mice, and presumably that's a, just an example of other creatures, have an innate fear of humans when they're alive, even if the human has got no power, just the life itself. And then you can have a human which is very big and very powerful, but once it's died, then the animals have no fear of it. That's the marshal of the baby and the live baby versus the dead og. Shine'emar, how do we know this? Because the Pasuk says, Umarachem v'hitchem yihyeh. The, the mora and the chatat, that's the, the, um, the uh, sorry, yeah, the chatat will be on you, sorry, will be, eimotai yihyeh morachem ala chayot. When will the mora be on the animals? Kol zaman she'atem chayim. All the time that you are alive. But when you cease to be alive, you won't have the morah on the animals. Okay? Now, what's Rashi doing? And why does Rashi have to bring this second explanation? Let's look again at the Pasuk clearly. It says, So basically, there's two ways of reading it. The simple, the pshat, which Rashi says first, is morachem, which we translate as fear, which Rashi translates as eima, which fear or terror or dread, 
two different things, and they will be al kol on all the animals. The second explanation reads them in a non-literal fashion. There's no doubt, it's not a pshat fashion. The pshat is there's morachem and there's chitchem and they will be on the animals. The non-pshat fashion is umarachem, while you have chayot, chayot, life, which is derived from the word chitchem, while you are alive, marachem, akal So the word, the chitchem, modifies the word umarachem. I suppose really modifies the word yihiyah. It tells us when the mora will be on the animals. I.e. it will be on the animals when hitchem as understood as when you're alive. But when you're not alive, it won't be on the animals. Now, why does Rashi have to bring the second explanation? And I think a simple answer to that question is, otherwise there is tremendous redundancy in the verse. Because what's the difference between morachem and hitchem? We can play around with English synonyms, um, fear and dread, or fear and terror, and they're slightly different, but they're not really. In terms of what the Pasuk's saying, they're exactly the same thing. If you were told the fear of you will be on the animals, or the dread of you will be on the animals, it really doesn't make any difference. And therefore we have two words which basically mean the same thing. They're telling us the same thing. Hence Rashi gives the second explanation. And the second explanation is beautiful because suddenly they're not giving us the same thing. Morachem will be on the animals and Chitchem tells you when it will be on the animals. And that's what Rashi says. Any questions? Okay, let's go on to Pasuk Gimel. Kol remes asher hu chai lachem yihiyel achla. All moving thing, when it is alive, or sorry, which is alive, to, be, to you will be for food. Like the vegetation of the herbage, I have given to you everything. Okay. Um, did Adam and Chava eat meat? No. Now, well, actually, to Machloket, were Adam and Chava allowed to kill animals for food? No. Were they allowed to eat animals which had died naturally? Um, some say they were, which puts to pay the whole idea they were vegetarian, but, or they did not. But what, so what did they eat? What did they eat? Yeah, they vegetables, vegetation. So now, says Hashem, I am extending that, says Hashem, kol remez hu chai, that will be for food, like Yerek Esav. In other words, let Yerek Asa, vegetation, you've already got as food. I'm extending that as uh, all animals are edible to you from now on. Now let's see how Rashi puts it. Lachem hirshiti la Adam harishon. I did not permit Adam harishon le'echol basar ela Yerek Asaf. Only vegetation. Velachem, and to you, Kayerek Asef, like vegetation, um, lost the place, la Adam, which I made ownerless for Adam Harishon, Natati Lachem et Kol. I've given to you everything. Now, which word is Rashi being Medayak on? Which word is Rashi explaining here? Uh, 
Exactly. He's explained the word lachem. Because that's the, the, the key thing going on here. It's to you and nobody else, at least nobody previously, that I've given this permission. And that's why Rashi stresses um, this whole thing about Adam Rishon. He gives us his whole history lesson. He didn't need to say the whole Adam Rishon thing. He could have just said, you're allowed to eat meat. Right? But he's saying, because the Torah said, because Hashem says, I'm giving this permission to you, implying there's somebody else to whom he has not given that permission. And that, now you can understand Rashi very carefully, because he says, I did not give permission to Adam Rishon, but I am giving it to you. He's Medayak on the word Lachem. Now, what's the connection precisely to Yerek Esef? Why is he comparing animals to Yerek Esef? So one answer, simple answer is, they were permitted, now animals are permitted. But there's a, a, there's a better answer still. What happens when you pluck a fruit or a vegetable from the ground? It ceases to grow. You are, in a sense, killing it. We don't normally use that word, but you're bringing it to the end of its vegetative life. And that's what you're allowed to do to animals. And that is according to the first opinion that I gave you before, that Adam Rishon was not allowed to kill animals. He was, according to that opinion, he was allowed to eat dead animals, but he wasn't allowed to kill them. So now Hashem is saying, just as you can pluck a plant and bring it to the end of its biological, botanical life, so you can kill an animal and bring it to the end of its zoological life. If you hold that Adam Rishon wasn't even allowed to eat meat, uh, even if it had died naturally, then that drasha doesn't work quite so well. Um, okay, we'll go on. Then we get to Pasuk Dalat, which is very short, but very complex, at least the way Rashi reads it. Ach basar benafsho damo lo tochelu. Okay, first of all, let's try and translate it. We don't like to translate it. Sounds like it's a poison challenge. And you'll see the problem when you try and translate it. What's the problem? Well, the problem is, how on earth, what does it mean? Ach, but, basar, meat, flesh, benafsho, damo, and you can see from the, um, from the trot, from the notes that they're connected. So, benafsho, damo is a single phrase. Lo tochelu, you shall not eat. What is basar, benafsho, damo? In its soul, its blood. Ah, okay, very good. That's, that's definitely where we're going. But I want you to see that the words themselves are hard. It's particularly because you've got three words. Basar, Banafsho, and Damo. And how do you make a single idea out of those three words? That's the problem. But don't worry, Rashi is there to help us. That's what Rashi does. So he starts by talking about the words Basar, Banafsho. Asar lahem eva min hachai. He forbade to them to eat a limb from a live animal. Now, you might recognize this. Why, where's the famous, what's, when you hear limb from a live animal, what do you think? Which set of mitzvot do you think of? Sheva mitzvot b'nei noach. And this is where the Sheva mitzvot, or some of the Sheva mitzvot b'nei noach come from. Three in particular. Three of the Sheva mitzvot b'nei noach come from the next two pesukim. And that's sort of appropriate because whom is Hashem talking to? Noach and his children. This is World Mark II. As uh, I've said, and many people have said, this is World Mark II. This is the new set of rules to govern the, this world. We've already seen one change from the previous world, a bit about meat. And 
we know this Sheva Mitzvot, they're not all learnt out from here, they're learnt from different places in the Chumash, but three of them are learnt out from here, including the one about eating limb from a live animal, or rather not eating a limb from a live animal. Says Rashi, Asar lahem eva min hachai. Now before we get to how Rashi learns that out, why does it follow on from the previous Pasuk very nicely? Why does it need to be said now? Because what does Hashem just allow them to do in the previous verse? Eat meat. But now Hashem is restricting that. And which word is a restriction? Which word tells you there's a limitation? Ach, ach exactly. So ach, at the beginning of this verse, says the, the permission that we gave in the previous verse is limited. There's a limitation on it. And it's about Eva Menachai. But let's read on with Rashi and see how he reads the puzzle. So I'll go back to the beginning. Basar benafshol, asar lahem eva menachai, kulamar, that is to say, kol zaman, look very carefully what he's done here, see if you can spot the, the trick, shenafshol badamo, lo tochelo habasar. All the time that its soul is in its blood, which means it's alive, you cannot eat the meat. What I would always say, sleight of hand, I hope that's not disrespectful, that Rashi's done something. You look very carefully at the words and how he's reported the words. What does it say? Interesting. Okay, this one I think is probably authoritative. What? Uh, I don't know which. Okay. Uh, it. It's not, when you read it like that, it's not quite so obvious what he's doing, but it's still the same thing. I can still make the same point. He has moved the bet. In the Pasuk, it's B'nafsho Damo, and in Rashi, it's Shenafsho B'damo, or Bo. It still works. He's moved the bet. And what he's saying is, even though it says B'nafsho Damo, you read it as if it said Nafsho B'damo. Because as I said, and that's why I asked you to, to try and translate at the beginning, it, it, it's untranslatable as it is. It, it, it's a mess. So Rashi says the way you read it is as if that dullard, sorry, that bet were moved to Damo. And then we've got Basar, comma, Kozaman Shah, Nafsho, but Damo, the meat, all the time that the soul is in the blood, moving the bet, i.e. it's alive, Lotochelo, you shall not eat it. So Nafsho Bedamo, the way Rashi wants to read it, as, as, in other words, what we have here obviously is what we have here. The bet is before the word Nafsho, but you can read it as if the bet is before the word Damo. And it means it's alive. But then Rashi is not finished. He, oh, sorry, no. He, then he says, Bedamo, Damo, Beod Nafsho Bo. I think that's Rashi stressing the point. How you read the words Benafsho Damo as Baod Nafsho Bo, while the soul is in it. It's interesting, Rashi's Divaramatchil, the word that Rashi quotes is always significant. So he starts off by saying Basar Benafsho, because the focus is meat. It says meat at the beginning, it says Lotochelo at the end. It's the meat that you can't eat. When is it that you can't eat? Benafsho Damo, and that's Rashi's second quote. And he explains that means ba'od nafsho bo. And then he says, basar b'nafsho lo tochelu, hare eva min hachai. And then he says, va'af damo lo tochelu, hare dam min hachai. Now I'll just start at the end. 
Not only can you not eat a limb from a live animal, you can't eat blood from a live animal. Says Rashi, we learn that out, two things from the same verse. We learn out that you can't eat meat from a live animal. So you can't eat basar, kozaman shirt, nafsho, badamo. I'm reading it Rashi's way. And that's why he says, um, then he repeats in order to, to, the reason he repeats is in order to make the extra diuk, the extra limud that he wants to do. He repeats, basar, benafsho, lo tochelu. Which word has he missed out, by the way, when he says that, those four words? He's missed out Damo because he wants to say Hare Eva Minachai. That is Basar Benavsho. Meat while there's a nefesh. The af Damolo Tochelu, but also you can read it as Damolo Tochelu. In other words, here's the point I want to get to. Sorry, I've taken a long while to get this. He reads the same verse twice, missing out words. First of all, he reads it as Basar, oh, sorry. First of all, he says, Basar Benavsho, I'm sorry, Nafsho Badamo means while it's alive. So what he said so far is, Basar, while Nafsho Badamo means the meat while it's alive, Lotochelu. Then he goes back and reads it twice, two more times. And the first time he misses out the word Damo, and the second time he misses out the word Basar, essentially. So the first time he misses out the word damo, he says, pasar benafsho lo tochelu, which means blood with the soul or in its soul. Sorry, sorry, it means meat in its soul you shall not eat. Look clearly how he quotes the words, but he misses out the word damo because he says we can look at it from the point of view of the meat, i.e. don't eat the limb from the live animal. And then he says, v'af damo lo tochelu, and he's, he's not really missed out words, he's quoting the last three words. You see what he's doing? He's reading the Pasuk, and now he says, the first time I read the Pasuk, I'll miss out the word Damo, and the second time I read the Pasuk, I'll put in the word Damo, and I'll focus on that. That's what I mean by he's reading the word twice. Lo Tochelu goes with both. Lo Tochelu, don't eat, goes with Basar Benafsho, and it also goes with Damo. And that's what Rashi says. Again, Basar Benafsho, Lo Tochelu, Hare Eva Minachai, Ve'af, Damo Lo Tochelu. And also, reading the Pasuk again with the word lo now referring to the blood, hare dam min hachai. That tells you you can't eat blood from a live animal. So I, I, maybe I've made heavier weather of it than I need to, but I think it, there is quite heavy weather here because Rashi's reading it in a very um, complex way. I, I think really in conclusion, he reads it three times. First of all, he says basar, comma, benafsho damo, which he reads as nafsho bedamo. Then he reads it as Basar benafsho lo tochelu, missing out the word damo. Then he reads it as damo lo tochelu. So the lo tochelu refers to two different things. Reading the word damo either as a qualifier of nafsho, or as not at all, or as the subject of what you can't eat. So the conclusion is, when the animal's alive, you can't eat its meat, and you can't eat its blood. And that is... The source of not eating the limb from a live animal, which is one of the mitzvot benenach. Then he says, then the Torah says in Pasuk Hey, Va'ach et dimchem lonafshotechem edrosh, miyad kol chaya edroshenu, umiyad ha'adam, miyad ish achiv, edrosh et nefesh ha'adam. I didn't translate that because we're going to have to go through it bit by bit. 
First word says the ach. Now, we have practiced in this. What does ach mean? It's limiting something. Okay, we'll see what it's limiting. I will seek your blood for your souls. What does I will seek mean? When Hashem says I will seek, what does he mean? He means he will punish. He will punish those who do something wrong. So I will seek it from all animals. And from man. From a man of his brother. I will seek et nefesh adam, the soul of man. Okay, what does all this mean? I hope it's all a bit confusing. And now Rashi will help us unconfuse it. You can't kill each other. It's something to do with killing. Killing is not a good idea. Okay, but we'll see there's four different types of killing referred to in this verse. So um, Rashi says, V'ach et dimchem, af al pi Shehitarti lachem natila neshama babahema et dimchem edrosh mehashofech dam atzmo. So, first of all, he says the ach is like this. What have we just been told that you can do? Kill animals. But what can't you do? Kill yourself. Very good. We'll get on to killing other people next. That's also not a good idea just in case you're wondering. But now, now we're talking about killing yourself. And that's dimchem, your blood, your very blood. I will seek. So the ach, first of all, there's a logic from this post that follows on from the previous one, but it's linked by the word ach because it's a limitation. So Rashi has to say, what's the limitation? The limitation is you're allowed to kill animals, but you're not allowed to kill other things. In particular, you're not allowed to kill yourself. And that's learned from Dimchem Edrosh. Your blood I will seek. Notice, by the way, Rashi's done what he often does, if you look carefully. He's quoted the Pasuk, but missed out a word. He says, Dimchem Edrosh. What's he missed out? Lenav Shotechem. Which he's now going to explain as separately. As choking himself. Yes, why, what's the significance of choking himself? We can read on. Af hachonek atzmo, someone who chokes themselves. What's the significance of that? Af alpi shalo yatsa mimenu dam. Even if there's no blood, if no blood comes out. So again, Rashi reads a single phrase as in two ways. The single phrase is, et dimchem lenafshotechem edrosh. Rashi reads that as dimchem edrosh, I will seek your blood when you kill yourself in a bloody way. Lenafshotechem I will seek you when you end your soul, but not necessarily by spilling blood. Now, what's the idea of spilling blood? Because who else has died so far in the Torah? Ever? Correct. And how did he die? And what, and, and what happened when you it's murdered him? plural, the dam. Dimchem. Uh, was it? Uh, Damav. Yes. Damav, uh, his bloods. And Rashi says there, him and his descendants. So the point I'm making is the norm is when people die, there's blood, or people get killed, there's blood, and even by your own hand. So that's why the Torah has to say, also, which Rashi says, is, even if there's no blood, how is it there's no blood? I'm going back, someone who strangles themselves, or kills themselves with no blood. Okay, so the first part is, I will seek your blood from you, when you spill your own blood, 
or when you kill yourself in a way of not spilling blood. Yeah, by the way, it's not a proud topic right now, but suicide, which is a terrible tragedy, um, is forbidden in Jewish law. Uh, it, it seems a bit strange because you know, once someone's transgressed that law, there's not much you can do about that. But Hashem is telling you it's not allowed. It's not allowed. Then, then he says, Miyad kol chaya ed rasheno. From the hands of all animals, I will seek it. So before we read Rashi, what's, what's it saying? Yes, and basically, it's wrong for an animal to kill you. Yeah. Okay. The question is, I mean, that's sort of obvious, isn't it? God doesn't want people to be killed to death by animals. So why does he have to say this? So Rashi's going to answer that. Miyar kol dor Because the generation of the flood, and we're talking about the remnants of a generation of the flood, this is directly in response to what's just happened. Chatu, they sinned. The hufkaru and they became um, hefka. They were made available as food for the wicked animals, to rule over them. There's a Pasuk that says, in Tehillim Memtet, that's the, pasuk, that's the uh, parak of Tehillim we say before the Shofar. These are the last words. Nimshal um, nidmu. They are ruled over when they are likened to animals. Um, that's a simple shot, but Rashi learns it to mean that uh, when people are wicked, animals rule over them. Which is not quite the shot of that possible, but anyway. Leficha hutzrach lehazhir alehem et hachayot. Therefore, he needs to command them about the animals. Now, actually, Rashi told us a specific case where animals took charge over the generation of the flood. Anyone remember? Let's see if I can find it. On this very day, Noah went into the Teva. And Rashi has a whole drasha on in the very middle of the day because the people of the generation said that when Noah goes into the Teva, we will stop him. And what did Hashem do to show who was boss? Exactly. He surrounded the Teva with lions and tigers and bears, I think. Um, I think it was lions and bears, to stop the people coming in. So there's a specific midrash which tells you about animals having power over people. The implication of this Rashi is that it was more widespread than that, that part of the way people died in the time of the Mabul was not just from the water, but was from being killed by animals. So Rashi has to say, why does Hashem need to say now animals aren't allowed to kill people? The very fact that Hashem says that means there must have been a time when Animals were allowed to kill people. And that's what Rashi says here. Therefore, he needs to command them about the animals. Okay, so we've got, first of all, you can't kill yourself with blood and you can't kill yourself without blood. And then animals can't kill people. And now we're up to umiyad ha'adam and then miyad ish achiv edrash et nefesh ha'adam. So what's the next one? Next one is miyad ha'adam. Miyad ha'horeg b'mezid ve'ein edim ani edrosh. Now, at this point, I want to say a word of introduction. There is a problem, and I have not seen a resolution. I've seen lots of Mephoshim say it's a problem about the next few comments of Russian. Um, and the problem is, 
he's applying halacha, which later on we will know as referring to Jews, as opposed to B'nai Noach. So I'm just going to present that problem. I don't actually have a solution. Um, and I haven't seen any of the Mephoshim Rashi that I came across to say, here's the solution. Um, I think you have to say, uh, unless we can find a better answer, that Rashi holds that some of the details that he's talking about in this verse and the next are actually applicable not to B'nai Noach, but to B'nai Yisrael. Because there are certain rules which, are, even though the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach apply to us as well, some of the details are different. And are, uh, for instance... For instance, a Jew who murders is put to death on the testimony of two witnesses. A non-Jew only needs one witness. We learn in Sanhedrin that the rules are slightly different for non-Jews. Jews need two witnesses. And I'll tell you now, in advance of the next verse, um, no, in advance of this verse, that what happens to an accidental murderer? He goes to an Eremiklat. He goes into exile. He goes to a city of refuge. That doesn't apply to non-Jews. Okay? Just bear that in mind as we go through this Russian. Now, what happens to somebody who murders, and there are two witnesses who warn him not to do it in advance, and then they testify to the Bet Din that he did it? What happens to such a person? It's a death penalty. Exactly right. What happens to somebody who murders, and there aren't witnesses? Just, what does the Bechtin do? Nothing. Actually, the, the, there are a few extrajudicial punishments which are available to the Bechtin. But basically, the norms, normative situation, they do nothing. So who takes care of that? It's like karet? Like God? Well, it might, be more, no, it might not be karet per se. It might just be death. In other words, if somebody's deserving of a death penalty, but the Bechtin isn't in the position to enforce it, then Hashem takes care of it directly. So, says Rashi, when Hashem says, Miyad ha'adam, from the hand of man, Edrosh, I, Hashem, will seek, that Miyad ha'horeg b'mezid, from the hand of a deliberate killer, ve'ain edim, but there are no witnesses. The point is, what I was trying earlier, Rashi puts it in the plural. It sounds like there isn't a pair of witnesses, which means it applies to a Jew and not a non-Jew. That was the problem I talked about earlier. Ani Edrosh, I, Hashem, will deal with that as opposed to a court will deal with that. So later on, we're going to see that there's uh, some sort of death penalty which is carried out by people. So why do we need a death penalty carried out by people? But now here we're saying Hashem will deal with this murderer if it's without witnesses. So it says Rashi, when it says, Miyata Adam Edrosh, it means an Ahorog B'mezid, Deliberate killer, so he deserves the death penalty. But there are no witnesses, so what happens? That's the one that I will seek. Then it says, But it's someone who's close. As Rashi says, That he loves him like a brother. The killer loves the victim like a brother. In which case, why did he kill him? Because, next words, the Hargo Shogeg, and he killed him accidentally. Ani Edrosh. Then I will seek from him. Now, he will, Hashem will seek and will apply the appropriate punishment. So, we know, uh, and many places in the Chumash, because Ari Mikla is something that comes up actually in many places, and the distinction between deliberate killing and accidental killing. 
by the way, I'm not going into all the details. I refer you to Gemara Makot. Um, but it's not just any accident. It's, it's an accident through negligence needs a exile in the Eremiklat. If it's a total accident, then there's no, no penalty at all. If, there's, if it's deliberate, then there's the death penalty. But if it's somewhere in between, it's negligence. You should have taken more care not to let an accident happen. And had you taken care, the accident wouldn't have happened. That's the case which we call shoge. Um, which really, accidental is not quite the right translation. And that's when you get a uh, punishment by going to a city of refuge. Okay, so, um, so uh, the point about the brother says Rashi means it's ka'ach, like a brother. He ohev lo ka'ach, he loves him like a brother. The horrible, but he kills him, obviously shogeg. Ani edrosh. So then it says, I, Hashem, will seek it, which I keep translating as I, Hashem, will deal with it. Hang on a minute. If somebody kills accidentally, then who deals with it? The Bet Din. So why does Hashem say edrosh, I will deal with it? Says Rashi, imlo yigleh. If he does not go into exile himself, and if he, the accidental killer, does not uh, request for his sin to be forgiven. Because even a shogeg, even somebody who kills accidentally, does still need kapara. Because you might think, if it's completely accidental, I say completely. If it's accidental, then if it's not intentional, then why does he need any sort of punishment? And the answer is, it's not a punishment. The whole idea of galut is kapara, atonement. That's why you go into galut. So let's just remember, if you kill accidentally, or if you kill, in the way I said, by negligence, then the punishment is you're sent to one of the Ari Miklot. Uh, there are 48 throughout Israel, and you live there. It's not necessarily so uncomfortable. You just can't leave. Or rather, if you do leave then the relative of the victim's got the right to kill you. And you stay there, how long for? Until the Kohen Gadol dies. Until the Kohen Gadol dies, which is interesting. What's one going to do with the other? Another subject. Um, so there's a degree of a sort of punishment, but it's very, very different from the death penalty. It's not imprisonment either. But says Rashi here, um, it's an expression of kapara. You need, you need galut to bring about kapara. And if you've killed accidentally, don't think you just get off scot-free because there is still a need for kapara and that's achieved through galut. So Rashi says here, Edrosh, I Hashem will seek it if I, I Hashem need to, imlo avano If you do not, if the person does not exile themselves and request atonement for their sin. Again, the problem with this is the whole idea of galut applies to Jews applies to B'nai Yisrael. It's part of the 613 mitzvot. It doesn't apply to B'nai Noach. You could say that it's still in the world. After all, what did Adam have to do after his sin? He didn't kill anybody. But what did he have to do after his sin? He had to go into exile. He had to leave Gan Eden. What better example, what did Cain have to do after his sin? He became Navanad, a wanderer and a, another word for wanderer, he has to go into exile as a consequence of his murdering. So you could say, and I think this is a little bit hard, especially what's coming next, you could say that there's a, um, even before the Torah, there's some idea that galut is appropriate after a sin, but it's a little bit difficult to say that because there's no halachic import to that whatsoever. So I think the simplest answer is to say 
that this, the way Rashi is learning these diukim, apply to Bnei Israel and not to Bnei Navach. We haven't finished because this is the case um, where a person does not go into exile by himself. Then Rashi continues, V'im ein edim galut, if there's no witnesses which oblige him to go into exile, so he killed accidentally, but there were no witnesses to report to the Bet Din for the Bet Din to say, go to the city of Eri Miklat, and he does not subjugate himself, which implies that he can voluntarily go into exile. So if neither of those things happen, there's no witnesses, so the court can't function. He doesn't voluntarily go into exile. So then what happens? Does such a person get away with it? End of story? No, what does happen? God. Okay. Then, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Doresh. Why does Rashi say Doresh? Because that's the word in the Pasuk, and that's the word he's explaining. Hashem requires it, Mimenu, from him. Kamo Shadarshu Rabbateinu. There's no connection between that drasha and this drasha. As Chazal explained on the verse in Parshat Mishpatim, which talks about accidental murderers, Ve'elokim ina liyado, b'masechet makot. Hashem makes it come to his hand. So there's this very enigmatic pasuk in Mishpatim, which says, in the case of an accidental murderer, Elokim ina liyado. Hashem brings it about to his hand. What does that mean? Says Rashi, Masechet Makot, looking Masechet Makot. And then Rashi just sort of tantalizingly brings us the opening words of what you're supposed to know. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mazamein Lepundak Echad. Hashem arranges it in one in. So anyone familiar with this? You familiar? Okay, this is a very clever, clever, clever story. The Midrash, the Gemara, sorry, yeah, the Gemara says, when it says Hashem arranges it like this, Hashem makes it come about, it's the following story. You've got two guys. One murders deliberately and there are no witnesses. One murders accidentally and there are no witnesses. So again, the court can't do anything because the court can only act if there are witnesses. But if there are no witnesses, if the court can't act, Hashem always can. So what does he do? So let's give them names. Um, the one who's murdered deliberately, we'll call him Reuben. The one who's murdered accidentally, we'll call him Shimon. Hashem arranges it so they happen to be staying at the same inn at the same time. And Reuven is sitting downstairs and Shimon is climbing upstairs. And Shimon falls on top of Reuven. And Reuven dies. And there are witnesses to see this happen. So what happens now? Reuven is dead. And that's good because... And therefore he deserved to die. Shimon is now witnessed as having accidentally killed. And therefore he gets galut. He gets exile. So it's all come about correctly. Reuven, who deserved to die, is now dead. Shimon, who deserved to get exiled, is now exiled. That is what is referred to by the words, Ve'elokim ina liyado. Hashem brings it about by his hand or for his hand. And Rashi just gives us the opening words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hu Mazminam Lepunda Echad. Hashem brings them together in one in, one hostel, one zima. So, Rashi has gone through every bit of that verse, bit by bit. Let's just sum up. Starts off with the ach, but. Having said you can kill animals, it now says, but 
there are certain types of blood that you can't um, spill. First, et dimchem, your own blood, edrosh, missing out the word nafshoteichem, I will see if you kill yourself. Le nafshoteichem, for your own souls, is if you kill yourself but without blood. Rashi again reads that phrase twice. One with the word nafshoteichem and one without. Then, miyad kol chaya, edroshano, I will seek it from all animals. Animals aren't allowed to kill man. You might have thought they were because they were during the time of the flood. Now they're not. Umiyad ha'adam, and from man. That's when man uh, kills deliberately. And Hashem, without witnesses. So Hashem will do the seeking. And miyad ish achiv, from a man with his brother. And that's accidental murder because he doesn't want to kill his brother. That's et adrosh. It nefesh ha'adam. Then I, Rashi's got doesn't say anything about the end. I think that just summates the pasuk. I will seek the soul of man. Okay. Then we move on to pasuk vav. So, by the way, which of the sheva mitzvah bnei noach have we learned so far? Yes, and don't murder. Now pasuk vav. More murderings going on. So we have to work out why we haven't we covered? Have we covered every possible type of murder? By the way, which one have we missed out? Or which situation have we not covered? Okay, let's read on. Shofech dam ha'adam ba'adam damo yishofech. The spiller of blood of a person, in a person, his blood shall be spilt. Ki betselem elokim asa et ha'adam. I'm not going to translate the word key because I'll leave it to Rashi. In the image of God, he made man. So what case is this? It says Rashi, Badam, uh, sorry, Ba'adam damo yishpach, yishapech, sorry. Im yesh edim hamitoho atem. If there are witnesses, again, Rashi uses the plural. I'll refer back to my earlier comments. You kill him. Who's you? Well, you, humankind, you set up a system where you will do the killing. By the way, there's another of the Sheva Mitzvah, but I know hinted at that, or not hinted, implied there. What's the implication? Set up a court system. Set up a court system. That's, that's the source for setting up a court system. You do the killing. So here we have another case of Shofech Dam, of spilling blood, where it doesn't say Edrosh, I will do the seeking, but rather it says, Damo Yishapech. His blood shall be spilt, i.e. by you. So which case is this? So Rashi says, Im yesh edim, if there are witnesses. That's when you do the killing. Then Rashi says the word lama, and then Rashi quotes the verse, ki elokim. So Rashi adds the word lama. Why does Rashi add the word lama? He, the answer is, he's explaining the word ki. Now what can ki mean? He can mean lots of things. It's one of those incredibly um, versatile words, and Rashi often says it's got lots of meanings. What can it mean? Any ideas? Yes. It can mean when. It can mean because. Let's deal with those two. That's enough. Do you think it means when? Let's have a look. The spiller of blood of man, in man his blood shall be spilt when he was made by Selim Elohim. Do you think that's a good interpretation? No. So what does it mean? It means because. And Rashi is telling you it means because by the use of the word lama. That ki b'tselem anukim asa et ha'adam is the reason why murder is wrong and murder must be punished severely. 
Because when somebody murders a person, they're murdering someone who was created, but Selem Elohim. So the key here means because. And in order to tell you what the key means because, Rashi says, Lama. Why? Keep it Selem Elohim. Rashi does this often, by the way, that he'll add in one little word which will join the first part of the verse to the second part of the verse, or something like that. And you might read it naturally and say, well, obviously they're joined. Why do I need to be told they're joined? And the answer is because you're reading it, sort of, as it were, realizing what Rashi has to say, but there's another way of reading it which you might have mistakenly understood it as. So in this case, you might understood key as when, because key often does mean when, can even mean if. Um, that's, more, that's a less common use of the word. Or it can mean because. So you naturally do read it as because, because it makes more sense. But Rashi has to tell you it does mean because, because you might have thought otherwise. So Lama, why? And the answer to why, the next word must be because. Lama, ki, but elokim. And then it says, asa et ha'adam. And Rashi's got a bit of a problem with that. So I'll translate it literally. Because in the image of God, he made man. Any questions on that? Well, let's see what Rashi says. Ze mikra chaser. This is a verse with a bit missing. But sarich lihiyot asa ha'oseh et ha'adam. V'chein harbe mikra. And there are many other examples like this. And Rashi comments on them usually. What's missing? The missing is the subject of the verb asa. Because in the image of God, he made man. Who is he? The answer is God. But Rashi pointed out more grammatically. See, in Hebrew, the word asa, I mean, trans, um, you can say asa, and you can say hayeled asa. How would you translate asa on its own? He's made. Okay. How would you translate hayeled asa? The kids. Made. Okay. Same word, asa. Yeah. But notice, you translated the word asa differently in those two cases. In the first example, you translated asa as two words, he made. In the second case, you translated the word asa as made, because the yele took care of the, nasa, the subject, the nasa. Okay? So that's how we sort of approach Hebrew. It applies to many languages. Not English, by the way. In English, you always need a separate word as the subject. But Rashi's saying, actually, that's not how it works. We sort of treat it like that, but whenever we see asa, and we think to ourselves it means he made, Actually, it's a it's abbreviation. There's a word there that's missed out that we have to imagine that's there. The maker made, whoever the maker was. So the word asa should always go with a subject, somebody doing the making. Sometimes the Torah doesn't tell us who does the making. It leaves it without a subject. We translate it as he made, for in this example. But really, we should consider that a mikra chaser. Sometimes Rashi calls it a mikra katsar, an abbreviated pasuk, or a missed out bit of the pasuk. He hasn't told us who made the man. Whoever, the maker of the man made the man. Now, we know that is Hashem, and I think that's what Rashi's sort of pointing towards. But asa et ha'adam literally means blank made man. And Rashi says, don't, be, don't forget, there's a blank there. But you can read it as he made man, but you really should be conscious of the maker, which hasn't been written in, made the man. That's what Rashi means when he says, it should say, and there are many examples in scripture.
Okay, we've actually perfect timing because we've just got time to do Pasuk Zion and that will take us up to Chamishi and then we'll stop. Va'atem peru uravu shiritsu ba'aretz uravu ba. And you should be fruitful and multiply and swarm in the earth and be many in it. Says Rashi, va'atem peru uravu lefi pshuto harishona lebracha According to the simple meaning, the first is a bracha and the second is a command. What's the first is a bracha? If you look back at our perak, perak tet pasuk aleph, what do you see? And what does he say here? So that's the problem. How many times do you have to go out and multiply? Why does Hashem tell them twice? So the first answer is to say that the first is a blessing. May you have lots of children. Kanina hara, that sort of blessing. And the second is a mitzvah. And that works out very well, by the way, because what's the first word of Pasuk Aleph? Vayavarech. Couldn't be better. It says, He blessed. So it's a blessing. So that's why it's twice. And this one is Ba'atem, Puru Ravu. No, go out and be, multi- be fruitful and multiply. Says Rashi. Sorry? Is these all said for Kim a blessing? Or is it kind of like, when does the blessing part end and the mitzvah part? Good question. It's not 100% clear. I actually said that you know, these, are the, these are the blessings. Um, Aleph is a blessing. Bet is a blessing that the fear of you will be on all the animals. Um, Gimel is a permission. You can eat animals. And then Dalit is, but this is what you can't do. So it's a sort of, it is rather a transition. Okay. But according to this first explanation of Rashi, now blessing definitely finished and we're on to the mitzvah. So, but then there's a second explanation. According to the Midrash, it comes to make a connection. It comes to connect somebody who does not occupy themselves in being fruitful and multiplying is like they are shedding blood. In other words, it's a drosha. A drosha is not shut by definition. That's what a drosha means. It's not the simple way of reading it. I suppose and this is the other way round, if you like. So if you choose not to have kids, it's yeah. like... Him. So if you kill, it's like stopping them having kids. If you don't have children, it's like killing. So the Hekesh, it brings together two ideas. So we've been learning... We started with Puru Uravu, and we learned all about murder, and then we mentioned Puru Uravu again to connect Puru Uravu to murder. Now, if, according to the second explanation, what is the status of Pasuk Aleph? I'll spell out the question again. According to the first explanation, Pasuk Aleph is a bracha and it's not a mitzvah. According to the second explanation, what's Pasuk Aleph? If it's not a, if it's not a bracha, what must it be? Mitzvah. It must be a mitzvah. Again, according to the first explanation, we've got these two things. And we sort them out by saying the first is a bracha and the second is a mitzvah. The second explanation says, no, that's not the answer. And therefore, if that's not the answer, if the first explanation is not correct, 
then the first pasuk is not a bracha, it is a mitzvah. And that would be the answer to your question. Because who is commanded by, in Puravu? It's my cloak in the Gemara, but we conclude males and not females. You not know that? It's a mitzvah on men. It's not a mitzvah on women. It is a machloket in the Gemara, but that is the conclusion. Now, of course, it can only come about by a union of man and woman. Uh, so obviously women are involved in the process, but they don't actually have a mitzvah as men do. And therefore, that would nicely explain why it's said to Noach Ubanav, and in this case, it's not said to the women. Okay, we will stop there. Thank you very, very much. First of all, special thanks to Sarah, who, together with Talia, was the original creator of this shi'ur, and I keep mentioning that because I'm very, very grateful. Secondly, um, to be, do a little bit of the uh, housekeeping of uh, making it happen from time to time. Thank you very much. Uh, third of all, thank you to all of you who come and all those who've come from time to time but are not here tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's been really the highlight of my week, uh, and I hope that we carry on next term um, at a date to be announced probably through the end of January, beginning of February sort of time. Thank you.